You're listening to the Long Overdue Podcast, brought to you by the Decatur Public Library in Decatur, Texas. And I am here, this is Denise, by the way, I am here with Chris. Hello. Pat. Hello. Yolanda. Hello. And Linda. Hello. And so, Yolanda and Linda are from Blutter C. <laughs> this is, I was doing this all the day. Over here. She did it all, the way all day. All day. Blutter Yes, I was like, how is it that I cannot pronounce these three words that I have said? And actually, it's two words, not three, with a capital C on care. That's what I have to tell the media all the time, because then they're doing their little chirons. Carter Blood Cares, two words, not three, with a capital C. (laughs) Okay. Oh, no, I'm leaving all that in. We're not starting from the beginning. (laughs) In case you couldn't deduce from our conversation, we are at Carter Blood Care. Oh, thank you. With Linda and Yolanda. (laughs) And, uh, well, we're going to be doing a lot of talking about blood. Yes. And I'm the the metalhead. Well, Denise, too. So when I say blood, I have to say it real dramatic, like blood. (laughs) We like that. Yeah. The more you embrace it, the better it is for us. Yeah. Right on. I, I will just say that I feel like I'm the donor of the three of us. Though. Oh yeah. Yes. So <laughs> we'll true. just we'll just put it's that true. out yeah. there. Yeah. You can say it however you want it, but I'm the one who goes and opens my veins. Yeah. Yes. I She's do. She's definitely a lot more hardcore than we are yeah. about this. Especially, yeah, d- definitely. Yeah. <laughs> the boomer. <laughs> Right. Yeah. 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 Like what you were so, talking, I was so like, I was like that. Linda that was talking to true. us earlier about the fact that we're starting to see a decline in the. We we don't see anybody younger than boomers giving in, in large numbers. In large in numbers, number. as our so, CEO likes to say. The older we get, any of us, the more likely we are to use blood than to be able to give it. Right. Not saying that anyone, that age by itself is a factor. Right. But it's a natural part of the process. The Mm -hmm. other thing that I hate the most is that you end up on medications that can sometimes inhibit. Right. Think how many of our great blood donors that have been giving with us for years end up on a blood thinner. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not a good thing if you're going to donate blood to be on a blood thinner. Yeah. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not that, you know, we want people to stop giving. There's no age limit. Mm-hmm. There's no mm-hmm. upper age limit right. to so how long you can I give. I was really surprised to learn that. Several years ago, when I joined Rotary, one of our members then was upper, upper 80s. Yes. And he was one of those people who was there to donate. Every time the blood mobile was in Decatur, he was there and he had his little prizes from Carter about how many gallons he had given over his <laughs> lifetime. Pens, yes. It was amazing. And and I thought, wait a minute, he's like eighty eight years old. Yes. Can he still give blood? Well yes. yeah, as long as he's yes. healthy, he yes. certainly can. When I first it, came to Carter Blood amazed. Care in oh eight, we had a gentleman who was one hundred four years old. Oh my goodness. And still gave several times a year. He couldn't give as wow. often as he used to. Mm-hmm. He was amazing. Wow. And um, so there were many, many wonderful examples of steady, committed Mm -hmm. blood donors. And that's the message we want to impart to our younger 
people is that yeah. in the healthiest times of your life, from age 16, with parents' mm-hmm. consent, 17 and older, you are at the best stage of your life to be able to be a blood donor, and you have many, many years right. ahead of you. And we're not asking you to commit to six times a year, right. which is the most you can donate whole blood. If everyone gave three to four times a year, we would seldom ever have to ask people for mm-hmm. a blood appeal because mm-hmm. it just would happen. There mm-hmm. are right. many, many people who can donate and just are not doing it. Mm-hmm. And we're just really asking you to realize how necessary it is. Right. Well, what I've been thinking about as we were coming to do this mm-hmm. and you know what we wanted to talk about, I'd really like to tell you why I give blood. Oh, please do. So, it never occurred to me. I hate needles. I'm one of those people that when I had to have shots, I have to, you know, when I was a kid, I would scream and cry. When, and guess when what? I, people know. who like needles yeah. are not the ones we want usually. Well, you know, Because they usually problem. have another I problem. I never thought about that logic. Okay. <laughs> if you like needles, that. you probably have okay. a different problem. But, you and you're know, not eligible. <laughs> there's a difference between hate them, like them, and put up with it. Tolerate. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I tolerate. But I, it never occurred to me that I should go get blood. Until I had my daughter, I was 30 years old, I had something happen after I delivered her and my blood pressure dropped to like 48 over something, which is not good. No, immediately I had to have a blood transfusion. And by the time I was recuperated from that and able to build up my iron and do all those things, I said, you know, anytime I can, I'm going to give blood because somebody gave blood. So it was there for me. So I need to be doing that. Um, And I've had, you know, as women do sometimes, I've had periods where my iron was too low. I couldn't donate. But then, Mm -hmm. you know, managed to get it back up. And and that's what we're saying. It doesn't have to be six times a year. You probably could not tolerate six times a year. Right. Women in their childbearing years more than likely can't do six times a year Mm -hmm. because there's going to be those times Mm -hmm. when they lose a lot of blood. So we're just asking people to think about if you could pick three times a year to give, mm-hmm. pick uh, your birthday, maybe <laughs> summertime. If your birthday's in the summertime, then go at the beginning of the summer, whatever, give two months apart. Uh, the holidays, mm-hmm. just remember that there are not enough people doing it. Right. Don't think someone else is doing it because they are not. Isn't mm-hmm. that right, Yolanda? That's more than correct. And I have the same similar story as mm-hmm. yours, but um, I was already in the blood industry for, for a number of years, and I had fallen ill okay. and had internal bleeding, and oh, wow. they couldn't find it. They didn't know where. I had my last rites given to <gasps> me. And oh so finally, um, I mean, I was saying goodbye to my daughters, to everything, and um, I was able through blood plasma and platelets get oh what i needed goodness. to to get and i'm here today because mm. of those donors. wow mm. so it is you don't know it until you need mm-hmm. it and that's right. unfortunate but that wakes a lot of people up mm-hmm. and i can't share my story enough with a lot of people to let them know you do make a difference mm-hmm. and i tell everybody who comes to my blood drives thank you because you did save me yeah. a carter it really was a carter donor mm-hmm. who saved me so mm-hmm. Wow. You know, you brought up something very interesting, Patricia, because when you ask the average person, when do you need blood, mm-hmm. what do they think of? Surgery. 
car accident. Car yeah. accident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like something injuries. trauma. Yeah. Yeah. They think of oh, some horrific disaster. Yeah. Right. Right. Big. Right. One of the things that's the most dangerous is when a woman has an emergent childbirth situation. Mm. So mm-hmm. even if it's mm-hmm. not like after the baby's been born. Right. Uh, preeclampsia, some of these other, mm-hmm. you can look them up, Google them, <laughs> find the book in the <laughs> library. But but there are emergent things that can happen when a woman has had a perfectly healthy pregnancy mm-hmm. and everything's gone right and something can happen right there in the delivery. So if you think about it, and one of the things our medical directors here at Carter Blood Care have educated me about, those are some of the more dangerous situations because mm. there is not one single vessel you can clamp off down there to stop the bleeding and it's a situation where a person has developed a large Mm -hmm. volume of blood Mm -hmm. for this Mm -hmm. other little life so the bleeding is very difficult to get under control many Mm. times so that's one of the very reasons why um you know emergency Mm c-sections can be very dangerous um Anything with childbirth, Mm -hmm. it's a life or death situation Mm -hmm. sometimes. And a lot of blood can be used in a moment's notice on a situation like that. So how many people, their baby's born every single day, many, many, many times a day. Everyone knows someone who's Mm -hmm. had a baby. Mm -hmm. And we need to think about that. Yeah, That childbirth alone can be a very precarious situation mm-hmm. if there's not a, enough blood on the shelf wow one of those ordinary extraordinary times <laughs> right mm-hmm. very ordinary yeah. things that was a conversation killer yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking about all the processes of it now because mm-hmm. uh, we just did a tour of some of the the facility here which was really interesting we already yeah. learned a lot yeah. of things no um, especially how you get blood to people and the kind of the process of deciding where the need is and what goes where and and that it's not just you know you take blood out and then you put blood in and you know you designate specific parts of the blood for specific cases and things like that and then it goes out to the hospitals and they identify needs in the transfusion and reference and transfusion reference and transfusion center and they determine where the need is there Um, but some of that's going out to hospitals so Right, you said right. You, but that you're contracted with medical facilities of different kinds. It might mm-hmm. be, um, it might be a a surgery center instead mm-hmm. of a you know full fledged hospital. It might be a surgery center. It might be some doctors' offices perform procedures mm-hmm. in their offices right. that might require right. blood. Or here's one for you that we didn't discuss on our tour. I hear people all the time say to me, especially people with some background in medicine don't know everything about blood transfusion, Mm -hmm. but they are aware of the trends in medicine. And they Mm -hmm. say, well, there's more and more minimally invasive surgeries. They don't use that much blood. Mm. But guess what? You can't even poke a small hole in somebody without having blood in the operating room. Mm -hmm. Mm. Right. So think how much blood is just there in -hmm. case it's needed, Mm-hmm. Can't be taken out of that OR till we're done here, mm-hmm. even if it's going to go back on the hospital shelf. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, everything requires blood. It's got to be mm-hmm. there, if only for contingency. 
Right. right. Wow. How much blood does it take just for the contingencies? That's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're, it's, it's used every day. We know right. that, that it's used, not just there for contingency. Right. But how much is even but there then, for contingency? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's irresponsible. You were telling us, were telling us earlier about the, the shelf life. So would you tell us uh, about that, like, once it comes in, what right. do you have? Well, the red blood cells, which we all talked about as I t- we toured the facility, that whole blood, which is what most people donate for the first time when they donate, if you haven't been to a blood donation center, you may or may not be aware of the different types of blood mm-hmm. donations, but mm-hmm. the one most people are aware of is when you they put a needle in your arm and you fill up one bag and you're done, and that's whole blood. That's Mm -hmm. the blood that comes right out of your body and it has all the different components all together. Platelets, plasma, white cells, all of the stuff. When we get it here back at our production facility, we are taking that whole blood and spinning it down to where you separate the red cells from everything else. Then we remove the other product from that red cell. So you have a red cell bag all by itself, and that's what most people see in the hospital that transfused that red bag of blood. It has nothing else but red cells Mm -hmm. in it at that point. The white cells have been uh, filtered out, so it's just red blood cells. Your doctor might say packed red cells. We're going to give you packed red cells. That's a term they use. The other components, the platelets and the plasma, each of these parts of the blood has their own purpose. Mm-hmm. Platelets help in clotting. That's why um, you know your blood wouldn't clot if you didn't have platelets. Mm-hmm. So um, if you're receiving a cancer treatment that um, requires chemotherapy, mm-hmm. that kills your oh. blood cells. It kills the marrow because you're mm-hmm. trying to get rid of all the bad stuff. Leukemia patients, um, people like that. So their blood counts can drop mm-hmm. dramatically. Well, the most important thing is that even while they're building up their other cells, they may not need red cells, depending on how robust they were going into that treatment, but almost all of them will need platelets Mm -hmm. because without the platelets, they could have bleeding, heavy nosebleeds, just anywhere you can bleed, imagine that. So platelets are very, very important. And then the plasma has its own purpose too. There Mm -hmm. There are components of that platelet and plasma that have to come together to help stop bleeding. So we separate those components because it helps us be better stewards of what we have because somebody might need twice as many red cells as they need platelets or plasma or they may only need one of those components. So we can give it in different proportions depending on what the situation, as Yolanda spoke about earlier when she needed a little bit of everything, Mm -hmm. and we can do that. So each of those components has to be stored in a different way. The red blood cells are stored in our refrigerators at a refrigeration temperature, and they um, can be good for 42 days. Hmm. Oh, that sounds like a lot. Oh, I give today, and 42 days from now, my blood's still sitting there. No. (laughs) Depending on your blood type, no. Mm -hmm. Most blood does not hit its Mm -hmm. expiration date. It's used somewhere. Mm -hmm. Platelets are liquid gold because they only have five days of shelf life and at least two days of all these different components, at least two days of that is testing. We have to make sure they're free of diseases that can be transmitted through the blood. So platelets 
we just can never get enough. They're in the door, out the door. Mm -hmm. So those are heavily, you know, in demand. And then plasma can be frozen for up to a year. So all of those different components Mm -hmm. have their different needs and their shelf life. But the bottom line is blood has a shelf life. Mm -hmm. And the imagery I shared with them earlier, what I love to tell people is, imagine that image of the hamster on the treadmill. (laughs) <laughs> is that not exhausting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just Absolutely. never stop, right? That's your blood supply. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's what goes on in Yolanda's head when she's trying to plan <laughs> these blood drives, right, Yolanda? Yes. yes. It's like yeah. it never stops. No matter how many you've planned, there's still another one, right? Well, we have to make sure, um, you know, we have a certain amount that we have to uh, contract to our hospitals. And so we're looking out three months ahead of time to say, how am I going to get that? How are we going to meet the needs of our patients? So we're constantly looking at hosting these blood drives and building them out in each of the communities. And especially in Decatur, um, there is no fixed site. So Mm -hmm. the nearest fixed site is, you know, really far away. I believe it's in Denton. And just to what you guys are doing with the Rotary, um, having one every other month means that that's a regular place where people can come and donate and know that they can go there to donate. And when we say fixed site, I'm going to help with a little lingo here. When we say fixed site, Carter Blood Care has 25 donor centers or donation centers that are always open, different hours, but kind of like a retail site, Mm -hmm. if you will that are usually located in uh, like strip shopping malls or something like that. But um, in there with community activities, like a grocery store or Mm -hmm. something like that, sometimes you have to look for them. You might just overlook it, you know, looking at the storefront. But we have those places where people can give blood, and we have to supplement that with um, blood drives so that we can make blood mm-hmm. donation available to people who are not going to be close to a fixed yeah. site, but there are a lot of donation sites, especially in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So I live in Denton, and it's about a mile and a half from a, from a donor site, a, an actual physical location that's always there. But I wait and I donate when the, when the blood mobile comes to Decatur because I want it to be the Rotary gets credit for that because mm-hmm. that's who sponsors the one that I'm aware of anyway. Mm-hmm. I know that the mm-hmm. high, high school and some other groups, Walmart sponsors mm-hmm. others, but I want the Rotary to get credit for my blood donation. Does that matter? I mean, in the it, grand scheme of things, no, obviously it doesn't. But it, I think it's, it's, it's helpful to someone like Yolanda who's trying to plan because if um, I'm probably the complicated donor because I, <laughs> I donate with my church sometimes, with the employee blood drive sometimes, and with our Hershey-Lewis Bedford Donor Center down the road from where we work. But it is helpful for people like Yolanda and other consultants to plan these blood drives. And talk more about that, Yolanda. So it, it, it does... It doesn't matter as far as helping the patient. I I just want to be clear. We want you to donate wherever you can donate. However, when certain clubs host their own blood drives, it does matter because what we do is we go based off of your um, historic average of how many donors you've had and how many we can get you to. And and we plan for that. We plan for amount of hours, the amount of staff that we send, right. the resources that we send, um, and we have to collect a minimum percentage of our procedures of what we go that to. So it, it's very important for yes, for the uh, uh, Rotary, Decatur Rotary, to get 
credit for that because it shows how much they're giving back and helping their communities. Well, and it's like throwing a party. If you put out a party invitation, which is kind of what I do as a PR director, I try to let people know when there's a blood drive that's open to the community. There are many that are closed to that particular business. But if you're hosting a blood drive and we're inviting the community to participate, which the Rotarians do, then if you don't RSVP... Which no one does, right, Yolanda? They well, they do. Up. They, they do. do. They, but yes. Rotarians do. Yes. Rotarians do. Yes. They sign up. That's why your blood drive coordinator in your place of business or your Rotary Club, they want you to sign up for a time. Doesn't mean you, oh, my goodness, I missed my time. Can I come later? Yes, you can. But our team, as Yolanda says, we don't send out this just unlimited number of people because we don't have that but but the equipment we send them out with how frustrating if you know we had a party we were going to have a certain number of people so we have the right kind of food the right kind of whatever and oh we ran out of forks (laughs) well you people can just eat with your hands because i didn't know you were coming right we don't do that so our team they have these kits they're all sterile kits they're one-time use kit if we don't have enough kits and we have more donors and now they have to wait we get some kits out there it's just not pleasant for anyone people want this to just run like a well-oiled machine right Yolanda yes yes they they do and and it really helps because I love to have parties so I make sure all my blood drives have that party atmosphere when we go into it because I want to build excitement I mean look at what you're doing and, and what you're helping with and we know that you know sometimes one um, person can use up to 60 uh, units just on their own based on the procedure um, if they're having a donor uh, transplant or if they're in a, in a car accident mm-hmm. or whatever it is but usually we say that one donor can save up to three lives because of the three separate components that come through each donation mm-hmm. so when we say that you had a procedure goal of 20 and you were able to um, have you know 20 or 30 people come through well you just saved up to 90 lives so Mm -hmm. that does make an impact when it comes to uh, organizations because they want to know that they're doing good and they everyone is doing good so that's another way that we like to to get out to the communities of what they're doing yeah you you um that if that whole blood is divided you potentially could have three separate people that benefit from your one unit of blood. And if you're a platelet donor and you're able to give double platelets or triple platelets, that again could be more than one person who receives those platelet donations that you made. Or they can sometimes even split that one platelet donation. If you have, if your body produces a lot of platelets, we spoke earlier about blood being a uh, prescription that's monitored, the potency is monitored. Well, if you have so many platelet cells in your one donation that it's uh, too much for one person to have, but enough for more than one person, think how many lives you can save because mm-hmm. it's all based on an individual's capacity, uh, what their body has, mm-hmm. what they, what comes out when they give that blood. And mm-hmm. if you have, you know, a lot of platelets in a great concentration, then you could help a lot of people. Hmm. Um, if a person is meets a certain size and weight requirement, they can give what we call double red cells. Right. So you're giving twice as many red mm-hmm. cells as would come out in a whole blood, 
but they're giving you those other components right. back so you're not losing too much volume, mm-hmm. too much liquid. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to dehydrate anybody. So it, every body has something unique mm-hmm. that they bring to the table with blood. And um, we ta- spoke earlier about how blood type is much more complex than just A, B, O, and A, B. There are different kinds of, um, there are other proteins that can be in red cells besides A, B, O, and A, B. So blood donors can have all these different subtypes that are in their bodies based on genetics or race and ethnicity and all these different wonderful things that that people bring to the table Mm -hmm. as a big melting pot of the human race. And so how special is that, that each person, whether you have the most common blood type, O, Mm -hmm. you're still not the same as another O, (laughs) is another O, is another O. Because you might have something else in Mm -hmm. your O Mm -hmm. that is really needed by a patient. And um, I just tell people that... You know, they always want to say, oh, I've got O blood. And, you know, plenty of people have that. Or, oh, I'm A positive. They never need my type. But they might need you. Mm-hmm. They might not need your type, but they need you with that type. Right. So I think, to me, that's what I think of when I think of blood donation is that just as each individual person is important and significant mm-hmm. in this human race, your blood is as significant wow. and unique as you are. I just want to add to that. Um, you, um, one of the subtypes of a blood uh, unit is a U negative, and so when she says that, it always I always laugh at it because yeah, because you could be U negative, you negative, and you positive. <laughs> but one, of the, but one of the things we spoke about earlier is that you could be a person with a very common. Uh, blood type, uh, a red cell that has very common antigens. Mm -hmm. But if a patient is unusual and doesn't need these antigens that appear in almost everybody, Mm -hmm. now we're looking for an unusual somebody that doesn't have a common something. But because overall blood type is still one of those common right. O positive or A right. positive or whatever. Right. So there, we, we as a blood center don't know what hospitals have in their patient load and their patient mix mm-hmm. or in what quantity. We just know that it's our job to make sure we have what they need when they need it. And we can't do what we do without our community. This is truly right. one of those times right. Especially today, it's so important that this is something we all do together. Mm-hmm. This cannot be done by one person, one organization, one, one business. This truly takes the community, the community mm-hmm. of mankind, the community. It takes your local community mm-hmm. because our blood supply needs to mirror our community whatever types of people, race of people, whatever the circumstances of the people in our community, that's Mm -hmm. what our blood supply needs to be prepared to take care of. And it's going to take your fellow citizens to help you because we can't make this stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, you said that everybody's like, or people say sometimes, like, what about synthetic blood? 
which you said <laughs> is a is a thing. It's a possibility, but it's not ideal it's and it's not sustainable. sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is, and I'm not going to talk too much about it because I, I don't have all the details. I'm not okay. the person with all the intellectual, factual information here. <laughs> but there is a synthetic blood uh, product of some kind that has been used in the military. It's been used in circumstances where, you know, it's an immediate stopgap or something. Mm -hmm. But where does our blood come from? It comes from the marrow. It's produced in your marrow and it turns over all the time. It's mm -hmm. making new blood and all these different components all the time. What do you do with that fake stuff? Hmm. I want to keep circulating it. What is that? I mean, it doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Blood is a living tissue and your organs require living tissue. So I don't think that's coming along anytime soon. You know, it might be a good sci-fi, but... Yeah. I was thinking vampires. Yeah, yeah no. you know, <laughs> vampires don't even like the fake stuff, I don't no, think. No, they really don't. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's not a reality. It's not it's not realistic. Mm -hmm. And when we when I think of the fact that at least 6 to 700 people every single day need a blood transfusion, mm -hmm. and that's just talking about the Carter Blood Care Service area. Oh, wow. Um, you know, mm -hmm. every day. Think about the hamster on the treadmill, okay? Yeah every single day so it's in the door out the door in the door out the door in in different quantities right. every single day it, we have to keep it coming every, every single day we can't go one day right yolanda without collecting blood but yes and just so we also um, get out there and i say this all the time we're open 24 7 like a hospital um, we have to make sure that i mean we really have our staff in here they go to the blood drives but we have staff that come in even earlier to get the supplies ready yes and then we have staff who stay after that blood drive to process the blood to test the blood and then to ship the blood so we are constantly working here to make sure that we get what we need to the hospitals and then our uh, medical technician technologists in our laboratories that are testing and cross-matching blood over night for hospitals when mm -hmm. when they have difficulty um, matching something or finding blood that's on their shelf that goes with the patients they have so it's uh, somebody is here 24 7 wow. in some department of some capacity because wow. our hospitals are 24 7 and you were talking Yolanda about the fact that you can have a blood drive in the middle of the night yes. why would you do that well, we do. We have some companies who actually have overnight shifts, and everybody wants to be a part of their community. And a lot of those times, we can go out there to a business and have a blood drive overnight to, so that they can also feel engaged. Mm -hmm. We're not a nine-to-five business. Neither are our hospitals. So by getting that blood overnight, I mean, we get a head start and jump on that day's blood supply and that testing for that to come through and be released sooner than somebody else's. So yes, we, we can go out anywhere at any time to have a blood drive. Um, and the way to do that is we look at uh, the population as far as how many employees are around or how many people are inside of that um, that community and uh, what other blood drives are going on and, and what we can do. But uh, for example, Decatur is such a huge and growing community. Mm -hmm. We can have a blood drive every week and still not touch upon all the blood donors that we would be able to reach. So that's why it's really not... Um, a bad thing to have a blood drive um, at the CVS or have a blood drive at the Walmart the next week um, because there there are enough people that are there that are eligible to donate. It's just trying to get them out to donate. 
and then wondering Thank you. where people are going to be or what's convenient to them. Right. We know in these large metropolitan areas that um, or regional areas that people often live one place and work another. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. you mentioned, Patricia, that right. you live in Denton, but you work in Decatur, mm -hmm. so you want to be a part of your community blood drive where you work. So, um, you know, we, we just want people to think about what you call community, what you sense is community to you, and remember that there are many ways to form community right. or to be community with people. Right. And um, Yolanda, I know you are very familiar with um, people who want to host sometimes a special patient blood drive. Talk about what that means to the community. Yes, so we do, and I also have a lot of, uh, of my drive coordinators who we call our DCs, uh, they come and ask, they say, you know, we have a, uh, a grandmother whose granddaughter has leukemia. And um, it was during, actually, one of this, this had happened when we were on a blood appeal. And her granddaughter didn't, couldn't get her, her platelet treatment, that she had to wait until somewhere available. So it, it impacted them so personally. So they wanted to have one for their granddaughter. So we had a friends and family blood drive. So they get out the community to say, you know, this is specifically for this person. Um, and also some people have them for loved ones who have passed away, but needed blood products. Mm -hmm. And blood products were available for them to even uh, let them be here for an additional, you know, time period, whether it was a week, a day, or a year. And and for clarification and adding to what Yolanda said, when, when you host a special patient blood drive or friends and family blood drive, it doesn't mean that those blood products are going directly to that patient, because obviously you have different kind, different blood right. types, different things. But those people are saying to the community, we understand that we know someone that we love who is using blood, and we want to give back. We want to replenish that blood supply. And, and we've now become aware of how important it is. So we want you to know how important it is. And mm -hmm. so it's one of the best ways that people can share this newfound awareness mm -hmm. with other people is to say, okay, now I have someone I know that's special to me who's using blood and gee, I, I don't know what I can do right now because I'm too busy being at the hospital and whatever, but I would like to host a blood drive so I can at least help give back to these patient care, you know, folks that are mm -hmm. helping save my loved one's life. What can we do? Well, you can always host a blood drive. If you're feeling paralyzed in the middle of a, a long, drawn-out illness or a long waits where you're sitting in a waiting room at an ICU, what can I do to help? Well, you can always give blood. And we, we have... Um some some patients who will or some DCs donor drive coordinators um, go to their employers to say, hey, we haven't had a blood drive here before. Could we have one? Or reach out to the local uh, community, to the shopping community or shopping center in their area. Or your local and, library. Or your local. Yeah, we have a lot of libraries who also host them as well, where they'll go to say, I need a place to host a blood drive for you know in memory of someone or for this or for that, um, and. You, I find I'm still amazed at how many people just open up their hearts once they hear, well, yeah, that that, that makes sense, and so they want to also give back, and this is just a, a a way to give back that doesn't cost money. Um, you don't have to, you know, pay for somebody to give blood. People are doing it from the goodness of the heart, and they're just giving back, and it's something they can do. And um, in a lot of communities, that's really all that. 
they they want to do. So we're there to help them. Mm. Very tangible way to get back. And so if you want to host a blood drive, how do you go about doing that? Well, you would contact Carter. Um, We do have uh, 1-800-DONATE. 1-800-DONATE and the number 4, or you can say 800-366-2834. 1-800-366-2834. Operators are literally standing by. <laughs> we also have, have an email address, which is um, uh, where you would uh, inquire to have a blood drive mm-hmm. or on our website to go to carterbloodcare.org uh, um, and just click on host a blood drive. And that comes into our department. Mm-hmm. And so we uh, filter them out based on the area of where they are. And you will get a call back from that representative or that consultant for your area. Um, So I get a lot of leads that way too, where people Mm -hmm. want to host blood drive. So I give them a call and we, we talk it through, we work out the details and, and we do what we can to put it on together. And I give them the tools. You guys will not be on your own. Um, (laughs) I I sit there with a party planner. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. Party. Hello. (laughs) Um, So yeah, we, we tell you um, here's what to expect. Here's what you can do. Give you the tools to do it, um, how you can do it. So you're not, just there standing alone. We're it's really a community based event. So that's what we're here to do. Okay. And that email is book a blood drive. Book a blood drive at carterbloodcare.org. Cool. cool deal. You said so these kind of steady giving events and blood drives and stuff is really what you want. Sometimes you, you mentioned disaster drives and how everybody's like, Oh, I gotta go out and give blood because there was a disaster, but that's not good because then you can't. You can only process so much out. Right, and you know, Chris. Usually, when there is a disaster, one thing our community can listen for is that when we have such a disaster, Carter Blood Care will usually put a message out to the community to say what exactly we do need immediately. For example, mm-hmm. when the um, explosion happened in West. We put out a message that said, anyone who knows that they are O-negative blood type, please make an appointment within the next two weeks to come and give blood, because we were specifically trying to replenish an O-negative blood supply that we knew had gone pretty quickly. The rest of you guys, make an appointment to give. But those with this specific blood type, make your appointment within the next week or two, or something like that. So if it's a disaster and we truly need your blood type or we need something specific from you we tell the community what we need what happens when you get just a flood of people coming in and just you know really packing in to every single one of our drives and locations is that we can end up having 3,000 people in one day show up and the the challenge with that is our facility can only process so many units of blood in a day. And we spoke earlier that from the time the needle stick goes in, and that's noted on the blood bags when it comes in, from the time the needle stick goes in, the next eight hours, that's how much time we have to do whatever we're going to do with that unit of blood. Mm -hmm. So if it's whole blood, we have eight hours to make all these different components. Well, we have a capacity model. We know what our people can process in eight hours. And it's not 3,000. Yeah. <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. even close. Yeah. So we don't want to see 3,000 people coming in in 24 hours to right. give blood. It's not helpful because mm-hmm. that blood 
will not be used. Mm -hmm. It it will not be able to be used. And we're not the ones that decide the eight-hour mark. We don't just say, yeah, it's all the room we have to build out for here. Those are all regulations, Mm -hmm. Uh, Food and Drug Administration, AABB. We have lots of regulators that determine, Mm -hmm. you know, that know what, how, and, you know, the blood is at a a certain temperature, right? right? So we're trying to get it broken down into its different components so we can keep it in the right temperature and in the right you know, place at the mm-hmm. right time. And so um, eight hours is all we have so for whatever came in, you know, that day. And so next time you see a disaster happening, just pick up that phone and make your appointment. Because if you're the one we need right now, we're going to tell you, mm-hmm. yeah, we want you to come right in. Otherwise, we need to keep that stream coming because if there has been a lot of blood used, it's going to be a while replacing it. Right. And the other thing is, it's horrible to say, but if there's been a lot of loss of life, mm-hmm. if there are not a lot of survivors from whatever that accident is, we don't need blood right. from that accident. Yeah. We need you maybe to host a blood drive because now you've become aware mm-hmm. of things that can happen in your community and you want to prepare for the next time. Mm-hmm. But when there are not a lot of survivors there's not going to be an overabundant need for blood just because there was a disaster. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, and then and y'all mentioned this is your kind of your target group at this point. Um, Pat is one of our our givers that falls into the the boomer. The boomer. Yeah. Okay, boomer. I think that <laughs> I can say that because Denise, Denise and myself are somewhere in that millennial range, mm-hmm. and we're awesome. kind of your awesome. target that you're trying to get. You're having Ooh, <laughs> Yolanda's claws are coming out now. <laughs> She's about to grab you. You're having a, a hard time reaching that that uh, demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a kind of a a plan of action or uh, other you know uh, resources like this where you know, people listening to our podcast and things like that, but other um, plans of action to kind of reach out and grab people like me and Denise? In the best way possible. (laughs) Yes, yes. And, you know, we have different, um, just like every other means of communication, we utilize all the tools. We use social media. We use different things. But as we all know, the people we listen to are the people who are like us. And millennials, we're looking for you to tell us what makes blood relevant to you. What will it take? Such a creative generation. Mm-hmm. Um, grabbing on to things that are trending and all of that. We would love it if millennials would say, hey, I see something going on right now, or hey, this is this latest trend. We think we could do something with this to make... Uh, people come in and give blood, or how can we put a blood donation twist on that? It's it's hard for us who are not in your heads to think <laughs> about what that looks like. And and I'll be honest, the blood industry is not made up of young people. Primary, I mean, all of our wonderful phlebotomists on the front line, many of them are younger. But my observation is, and I'm I'm considered a newbie and I've been in the industry 12 years so there are people who've been doing this for 25 30 35 years we're not the ones that know we're already (laughs) bought in so we're I mean I would love it if people would send information into the Decatur Public Library or call in or send on through your social media we would love 
to hear some great it's, ideas from millennials, Gen Zers. Yeah. We want to know what, and, and granted, okay, we don't want to be the ones that only can't do that. We would love for you to go to carterbloodcare.org, learn about blood donation, learn about our regulations, Mm -hmm. learn about the eligibility requirements, and thinking of those things. Obviously, we're in a regulatory environment, but what can we do within that regulatory environment to make this fun for you, make this different for you? Mm -hmm. What is it that you need so that it's a, you know, it's a celebration of life and giving Mm -hmm. life for you? Because... We're all ears. We really, really are. It's um, it's been a challenge, and I think part of it is you all have so many opportunities today. There's so many things, mm-hmm. you know, grabbing for your attention, entertainment, um, places to go, things to see. How can we incorporate yeah. your desire to be with people you love and know and want to socialize with, and yet incorporate mm-hmm. um, that desire to to give back in this particular way i mean mm-hmm. i yeah. i agree i think you're a very altruistic generation i think you want to give back you want to do and we just have to to wave our little flag and go wait over here yeah. over here we really <laughs> need you and and want you to know mm-hmm. that that is such a value yeah it's an extremely huge value to your community to do that mm-hmm. so it's on us you know but we really would love to to get your help, we, we want to hear what it, what it might take. Sure. Yeah. And I think that the testimonies that, that you all gave today about receiving blood, I think it's important for people to know just how much it means mm-hmm. to have that available. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times we just think like, well, there's people giving blood, so there's there's blood. Yeah. We've got blood. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's yeah. fine. And but I, to know I, just how important it is and what would happen if we didn't have that. Yeah. And I think, Chris, you you touched on something we did speak about earlier that Medicine as we know it cannot do what it does without blood. Mm-hmm. We've gotten ourselves to this point now. We're already there. We can't go back. Um, all the high-tech medicine we're doing now that is really lengthening uh, people's life expectancies, uh, these horrible things that happen to people that we can help them, we can help cure, um, you know, we can give you new organs, we can do all of these things. And I guarantee you at the at the end or at some point of it somewhere along the way there's blood involved mm-hmm. um you know now we're getting into treating cancers where it's like a, a chronic disease if we can't get somebody to be in remission forever mm-hmm. we can keep them in remission with certain kinds of treatment that's ongoing it's you know using someone's own immune system and harnessing that with some kind of medicine that and give it back to you well that involves us taking cells from you now, mm-hmm. the stem cells or something. So it's all about blood. Those those cells all come from your marrow. It's all producing into some kind yeah. of blood product. And so um, we're just, hospitals and high-tech medicine are using blood. And, and if we're not going to use it, if we're not going to have enough, then we're going to have to start picking and choosing what do we do away with that we can no longer do because we don't mm-hmm. have enough blood. One of the the other things I was going to share with you is that the story is just getting out and seeing the younger kids. Like I go to the high schools and give presentations, um, local churches, but it's just being invited to certain places where Mm -hmm. um, young millennials gather to share those stories. Mm -hmm. Professional organizations. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. um, wherever. We're always willing to go somewhere and talk about blood and why blood is needed so wherever that opportunity is 
invite us and we'll be there. Um, but getting that message out isn't the problem. It's where to get it out at mm-hmm. <laughs> is, is right. some of the issue, too. Mm-hmm. So. Community forums, we would love it if you knew how to gather a large group of people, <laughs> uh, millennials, at a place they would come together and say, hey, we'll do this same kind of thing. Um, we can bring our medical directors. We can bring people to answer all those questions and and let's talk about it you know we always hear about we do it for political rallies surely we can do it for life-saving blood yeah yeah Yeah. you know so Mm -hmm. it's how do we make that happen those are the kind of things that i think would be just really Mm -hmm. cool because it is fun to watch you know the the light bulbs go off when people come here we wish we could take everybody through this building but there's just not that capacity (laughs) and and you know video doesn't just quite capture it but um it is it's really tangible i mean when you you know i was always in favor of it when i came to work here but when i saw it and just really realized Mm how uh, precious it is and how um real it is that you know this literally has to come in every single day because Mm -hmm. it's going out every single day it's just it's mind-boggling really Linda, you alluded earlier about Carter's area. Would you tell us what that region is so that we know kind of what what we're talking about? We have a 50-plus county area that has more than 200 medical facilities mm-hmm. that we service, and that's about, wow. we have about 90% of the blood in that area, but we go as far down as Waco, Central Texas area, all those wonderful towns that kind of border on the hill country down Mm -hmm. there to the east you know out uh, almost to the louisiana border um, north up toward paris uh, denton you know all around so it's gainesville Um, it's a huge um, i think it's about 58 counties something like that but it's it's a large service area in north central and east texas and Mm so um if we're looking at even just the most populous cities in that area, you know, there's about 8 million people in that mm-hmm. whole mm-hmm. service area. And the the statistic we use is that about 38% of the population is eligible to give blood at any given time. Mm-hmm. And we say any given time because, you know, maybe I'm out for a year because I had a surgery that right. requires me to wait right. for a year. but. Some most of the people are not eligible. Either mm-hmm. they're not of age, mm-hmm. or they have something else going on. So, thirty-eight percent right. of us are privileged enough mm-hmm. to be able to help save lives. Right. Less than four percent are doing that. Oh, wow. wow! In our population area. Wow. Hmm. So, less wow. than four percent of the population is keeping everybody else alive hmm. if they need it. Thank yeah. you, Pat. <laughs> so, and we shouldn't we shouldn't be in wow. that in that prestigious wow. of a group, Pat. Mm. We need we need to have more people to share yeah. the limelight here. Okay. No yeah. So, no seriously, and okay, wow. let's talk about some of the reasons people think they can't give blood. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have tattoos. Well, yes, you do. We don't care. <laughs> if so you if you got there's them a in period a, of time, right? No, 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 not in Texas. You're not exempt. Really? Because if you, as long as you didn't get it in your cousin's garage. Oh, well. If you got it in a licensed <laughs> Texas facility. And all, and all the tattoo uh, yeah. parlors are our biggest fans. They are big proponents of blood donation. They will tell you. Wow. You, If you get your tattoo with me, you are good to go. It doesn't oh, matter. Oh, my goodness. Because There's a draw, we, right? Right. And we try it. And people. 
And people will look at yeah. me with their sleeves and say, oh, I'm afraid of needles. Oh! <laughs> really? Really? And I look at them and say, hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, ours doesn't hurt as bad as yeah. that, I promise you, and not for as long. So, um, yes, the tattoo artists are, are, are big fans of ours, and they know diabetics. Oh, I have diabetes. I can't give blood. <laughs> not true. If you're... Um, if your condition is under control, you're on your medications, your doctor says it's good, very few diabetics today in this, mm-hmm. in this current medical environment and the way we can treat diabetes, that's not an, ex- that's not There's an exception, excuse. though, for a particular kind of if insulin. If you've had bovine you, insulin, yes. they don't do that anymore. No, they don't anymore, but if you've right. ever had it. Right, right. And most of those people so. know who they are. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they do, do. because it, it's been a of you know, it's been a long time, and right. so they've probably been deferred. Who knows how many wow. times? But <laughs> but <laughs> but right, it hasn't it hasn't been recently that they're right, using absolutely. that. All of our you know products are getting you know more readily available. They're you know making things out of artificial things right. and making that right. possible. So that's a good news. And uh, the people I really empathize with are military folks. There's so many who mm-hmm. have lived overseas in Europe right. for many years. They were stationed with the military. We are um, we are hearing word that our industry is advocating on their behalf. We've heard mm. that the blood banking industry is working with the FDA to try to get that repealed because uh, we know that uh, mad cow disease has not been prevalent in Europe in a long, long right. time. And, Wasn't um, that the 80s? Yes. Maybe but, mid-90s? But, and I don't really remember exactly when. Yeah. But um, we have so many people um, in our military who have served overseas in a place that is you know, off limits because they've been there certain number of months in a row. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we hear you. We empathize with you if you're members who've practically given your own life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for for us and now you want to give back and, and right. you're not able to so um hopefully we can uh, see that policy changed um in the next right. few years you know we can just keep speaking to it and mm-hmm. you know the blood banking industry understands we we could use your donations mm-hmm. we know that every time they come up with a new test or a new something mm-hmm. that's going to defer more people we right. we just need more people to be eligible now instead mm-hmm. of not um being deferred by criteria i know every time i look over those materials that list is so long of Mm -hmm. what you know you have to Mm -hmm. read through do i Mm -hmm. take this do i take that do i Mm -hmm. take this but most of those things are very specific and not right common among the population right and many of them are medications that affect the blood right like Mm -hmm. uh, sure you know uh, blood thinners or or different things like that but um you know, or things that might be or medications that can be transmitted through the blood, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where you don't want someone else to be exposed right. to that medication. Right. Um, but but there really are not mm-hmm. a vast number of classifications of medications. Right. There might be a long list of now different mm-hmm. brand names or whatever, yeah. but, but yeah. The, the different classifications of medication mm-hmm. are really not that many mm-hmm. in the scope of things. Mm-hmm. One more thing that that is a deterrent, but people just say, I've never been asked. Uh, Like, no one has ever asked me to donate blood. And that comes up a lot. And I was like, well, I'm asking you today. You know, I know. (laughs) I know that's a thing. Talk about it. Invite your friends and family and talk about it. Blood donors do not talk about what they do. Right. 
they don't just say, oh, I'm a blood donor. That's how I began donating on a regular basis. I gave in high school, gave maybe a couple of times in college when there were blood drives on the university mm -hmm. campus. But um, it wasn't until, well, I gave, I think, a couple of times in my early years of employment, again, because something, you know, it was right there. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until I, um, it was in the 90s, early 90s, when I had a coworker who needed to leave a meeting, you know, right away at the end of the day because she had this appointment to go give blood. And I looked at her like, what? <laughs> and she said, yes, I give every eight weeks. Really? Yes. Well, next, what, when do you make your appointments? Well, I'm going to make it today before I leave. Perfect mm -hmm. donor. <laughs> and, and I said, well, make an appointment for me and I'll go with you. And she did. Wow. And I did. So we did that together for, I think, three years before oh I gosh. left uh, that community. But we gave every eight weeks. Mm. And is that how, like, how often you can yes. give? Yeah. Yes. Every 56 days, we mm -hmm. went and gave blood together. And mm -hmm. I just counted on her to make the appointments. I was the lazy <laughs> one. <laughs> but, but I was really, um, yeah, when I moved to Dallas, I had six gallons or something donation. Wow. I mean, it yeah. was, you know, so we had, we had done it regularly. And you really don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. You put it on there. And, I mean, if we'd had a conflict, certainly you can reschedule yeah. it. It's no different than a hair appointment or anything else. You just, you know, put it on the books. If it comes up mm -hmm. and you have a conflict, then mm -hmm. you have a conflict. But, um, you know, we send reminders. We we can do text now. You can, mm -hmm. if you're not a caller, you can text 800-366-2834, <laughs> and we will text yeah. you back. We will also send you reminder texts. You just tell us how mm -hmm. you want to be communicated yeah. with. We can do that, and we now have this thing called Quick Screen. Yes. You can go oh my to our website, carterbloodcare.org. You'll see uh, some notifications about it. You can do the questionnaire that we require you to do before you can start mm -hmm. the process. You can go online, answer the questions. You can do it on your phone, uh -huh. you know, a mobile device, and you answer the questions so when you come in, you know, you go through the other parts of the screening. We check through your questionnaire a lot more quickly. They just kind of peruse your answers, ask you the follow-up questions they might have. But you can walk in the door with your questions answered and um, be a part of the process. So, well, the questionnaire online, tell me if I'm not eligible or will I have to do the questionnaire and then still go? So, so you can only do the questionnaire the day of the blood drive. If okay. you try to do it before the day of the blood drive, it'll disappear at midnight. We're right. not allowed to keep any information. because right. You have to have been FDA screened that yeah. day yeah. that you're going to get. So once you do that and you go there, um, but it will tell you when you're answering your questions if you're deferred or not. Because it's the same thing of the reading materials. Mm -hmm. Before you go any further, do you take any of these medications? Mm -hmm. If you do, you can't donate. So it gives you the, when you walk in the door to don or come into a blood drive for the first time, we're going to, uh, you know, look you up if you're not in our system then we'll give your put your information in there then we give you these pre-reading material pre-donation reading materials and those reading materials are your opportunity to pre-defer you know defer yourself if you say whoops i'm on that medication oops i traveled to that place within this amount of time mm -hmm. oops i had a procedure you know whatever so that's your chance to not have to sit in line and wait and then go oops i can't donate mm -hmm. so you're going to have those same reading materials when you go online mm -hmm. so you know, you'll have to go through and then check, yes, I've read the pre-reading mm -hmm. materials, and then you do your questionnaire. So, um, 
you know, you won't know from the questionnaire if you're deferred until you get in and see what your answers were and if mm -hmm. those defer you. But you will know if it's just from the reading materials alone, you know, about the travel and, mm -hmm. the, um, you know, any kind of certain illnesses you may have had that would, you know, prevent you from being able to donate hepatitis, something like that. But, um, you, you know, you'll have a good idea. And then the other thing we do that would, would uh, defer some people is when we go through the mini physical. We check your temperature, your pulse, your blood pressure. We check your hemoglobin, which says, do you have enough red cells to give away? That's where many people get deferred for what they say in the vernacular, low iron. That's not a direct correlation to your mm -hmm. iron. It's really about do we want to take these per person's red cells and not leave anything in their say in their checking account, you know? Mm -hmm. So we're going to take your savings. <laughs> we're not interested in your checking account. So but the FDA says, you know, we're we're telling you your hemoglobin has to be higher than what even a healthy mm -hmm. normal healthy level would be. We want you to have excess. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to take your blood that day mm -hmm. if you don't have enough to leave you with plenty. <laughs> We're not going right. to lower yes. your hemoglobin to some unhealthy level yeah. in order to take your blood. So there's a lot of things like that. We The questions that we ask or the things we pre-screen you about are either for your own health and safety or for that of the patient on the other end or both. So that's what we're looking at. So when someone gets, a lot of times people get their feelings hurt because they say, oh, I was all psyched up and I was ready to give and mm -hmm. they deferred me for low iron, quote unquote. And then they'll tell their friends, oh, I can't give. I have low iron. Okay, that is not a permanent situation. Like forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's not a permanent situation unless you have a certain whatever, some, right. some issue going on. But, um, and we hate that because especially if you're a first-time donor mm -hmm. and you get deferred for that, it's so deflating to people. And we, you know, I would just say that um, please don't take that personally because we're really looking out for you. Mm -hmm. We're looking out to make sure you have enough of those, you know, red cells, iron, all that to, to keep you going and have enough energy and be safe. But I find the, the best thing for that is to, for young people especially, just watch your caffeine intake and that soda intake. If you can monitor that at least for a month or something before you give blood, if you can just really cut back on some of that stuff and drink a lot of water and, you know, just eat healthfully, um, even a few days up into your blood donation, if you can drink plenty of water, it'll make those blood vessels just pop right up mm -hmm. and make that stick real easy and they just... Yeah. Go right on. And I wanted to add to that because what I tell my donors um, for my blood drives is days before you donate, especially when you have low iron before in the past, try not to um, drink any coffee or tea while you're eating because um, it, it actually um, inhibits the absorption of iron um, into your system. So at least, you know, two hours before, two hours after you eat, if you try to avoid that, you have a better chance of having higher mm -hmm. iron. And if you get deferred, you can come back the next day. You don't have to wait until, you know, the next year to donate or try to donate. Yeah. Um, that deferral is only for that one day. So you can try again the very next day. Mm 
Okay. And and I would say too, depending on how low you are to that to that criteria, sometimes mm-hmm. it takes some people, you know, a while to to build that up. Or if you're a woman of childbearing age and you happen to try to donate at the wrong time of the month, you know, maybe that's part of your problem. Yeah. But um, you know, timing and and then you know, if you are one of those people that you just cannot give blood, as we said earlier. A th- only 38% of people mm-hmm. can, for whatever reason. Sometimes you can't control your body's absorption of iron and, and so forth. And, and if that's the way you are, then that's the way you are. Then mm-hmm. somebody else needs to give on your behalf. Because if you are ineligible, you are ineligible. I, I tell people all the time who are under 110 pounds, they say, oh, I can't. Don't say you can't. You're ineligible. Mm-hmm. You may want to. FDA is telling you we're not going to take that because no. you probably don't have enough volume in your body for us to take mm-hmm. a pint of blood. Most of us don't have that problem. <laughs> but there are those little tiny people yeah. that I just say, you know what, you need to recruit someone else to donate on your behalf because mm-hmm. that's okay. There should be plenty of us who are 110 pounds or more mm-hmm. who can be donating on your behalf if you need it. Right on. So what I what I would really like to share too, um, when it comes to our donors, we are so thankful that mm-hmm. not only are you taking out the time of your day mm-hmm. to help somebody else, but you're you're helping us as as a, a not just a, a community, but just to to get out there and to know that you're making that difference. And that's just really what we want everybody to know, that you are impacting not just that patient's life, but their family's life. Mm -hmm. And um, when you're thinking about those times to give during the year, not only is it important to give during the summer, but during the holidays is the most important time Mm -hmm. that we want people to think about it because everybody's so busy running around with their families or what to get their gifts or what to do for, you know, the holiday season. Give the gift of life. Yes, Mm -hmm. give the gift of life. And we truly are looking for people to step up and give, even our regular donors, to Mm -hmm. give during that time um, so that we can make sure that that person who does have that life-saving unit waiting for them like I was, because it was during Christmas, and I was in the hospital during that time. Mm, People still. And I was was in there. It was um, days before Christmas where I actually received that that Mm -hmm. really, truly gift Mm -hmm. of life, and I was in there through, through the new year. So it really does make an impact when you give during the holidays. And when we're out running around and spending time with our family, we forget there are people with, you know, who are chronically transfused, Mm -hmm. those um, sickle cell patients, um, people who are getting their cancer treatments. Mm -hmm. They're not postponing Mm -hmm. their treatments just because it's the holidays. So they still need that. And sometimes they have to go on with their treatment, Mm -hmm. but they don't have platelets or they don't have enough platelets so they're having to be all careful during the holidays because if they cut themselves or they fall or oh they have to sit through the holiday with a nosebleed i mean it's just think about it Mm -hmm. and when people say oh i have a fear of needles i always say that's a legitimate fear it's Mm -hmm. one of the top fears i get it but if you can imagine for that moment, just that little bitty moment, you're sitting there in that chair, think about the person who's going to receive this gift. Mm-hmm. You don't think they've had a few needle sticks? <laughs> mm-hmm. They have. Yeah. They have to get one to receive your gift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those people have endured mm-hmm. far mm-hmm. more than you're going to endure. Right. So forget about that needle. 
Don't look at it. Don't ask about it. Don't worry about it. I do always make sure that they put a piece of gauze over that needle where it's yes. going in, well, just so that in case I glance that way, yes. I don't just yes. see it. I mean, and that's <laughs> one time right. I had somebody forget to do that, and I said, oh, "Hey, gosh. wait, cover that up, cover that <laughs> up." Right, and, and you don't want me to faint just right here, just because of that. Right, and and, <laughs> but and people say, "Oh, yeah, I don't have any problem. I get my away. blood drawn all the time in the doctor's office." Yeah. Well. Our needles are quite a bit bigger because mm-hmm. we're trying to get live tissue right. to come out of there that we're going to use. We don't want to damage all those lovely cells coming out. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah. really, right? It it's not it's not that much, people. Mm-hmm. It's just not that much. People who get blood transfusions are very sick, mm-hmm. or their lives are in, at stake. Right? You can take a needle for that. Yeah. Seriously, you can. It's yeah. it's not that hard. When you are well and healthy, which mm-hmm. is the first question you have to answer. Mm-hmm. Are, you are you feeling, feeling well today? and healthy today? Yes. Mm-hmm. Most of the questions you want to answer, no. But that one you always want to answer, yes. <laughs> but it's tricky. You have to actually read the question right. before you answer. Right. And, and it, is, it is kind of a, I mean, I always tell people it's a privilege to be able to give blood. Because mm-hmm. that means that I am mm-hmm. in a great place of health myself. Right. And so it's my privilege to be one of the people that they can call on to give blood. Mm-hmm. I would much rather be the giver than the receiver in this right. situation. That's one of the prime mm-hmm. examples of that, better mm-hmm. to give than to receive. And one of our volunteers, I think I told you all this earlier, I just love this saying. Um, he said he's one of our longtime donors, still donates with one of our donor centers. And he said, Giving blood is one of the most extraordinary things that an ordinary person can do. That is so cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think of our first mm-hmm. responders and people who are always like, you know, coming there, you know, coming to the rescue to somebody. And mm-hmm. we aren't all in those employed in those kind of positions. Right. But a blood donor is the ultimate first responder. You're responding before you know you need to, mm-hmm. before we know something's even happened, before we know it's needed. It has to be on the shelf before it's needed. Yeah. We can't just grab it from you and put it into somebody. It's got to be tested minimally. So you are a first responder. Mm-hmm. You're the pre-first responder. Mm-hmm. So we need more first responders. Yep. Not all heroes wear capes. They roll yeah. up their sleeves sometimes. Oh, so I love that. <laughs> I love that. So for Halloween, go as a blood donor. Only give blood before you go. Doesn't have to be a disguise, a costume. It can be real. This has been great. Thank yeah. you so much for taking the time to show us around and then to sit with us and it's been fun answer our questions yeah. I love to show off what people do around here <laughs> yeah. because I, I don't it's do it all I do is talk about yeah. it right? yeah. Yeah. they, they cool are just um, it, it's it, as I said earlier it's a mission minded place I mean mm-hmm. people um, and they everything they do they have to do it with such care and right. attention and detail I mean every little detail mm-hmm. has to be the same every single time mm-hmm. they don't get to be creative with the process <laughs> they have to do it the same every right. single time yeah. and even just the collection process and um, you know I just think those phlebotomists have to know mm. more than 80 something standard operating procedures and wow. you know can't miss a beat and mm-hmm. have right. to know exactly when to do what at what time and mm-hmm. you know it's um, it's just a highly regulated industry and I just appreciate so much 
all the things they know mm -hmm. and know how to do and when to do it. It's, mm -hmm. it's fascinating to me. So it's a, it's a pretty small industry, pretty small mm -hmm. group um, that, that are involved in this, you know, this right. kind of work. And it's, um, it truly is just a privilege to be a part of it. And then to also mm -hmm. be able to, to be a donor myself. I, I think it's, yeah. it's a great thing. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. Uh, yes, so we will be hosting Blood Drives Indicator uh, coming up soon. Uh, we're going to get them all finalized on the calendar with uh, the Decatur Rotary. Um, but please uh, visit uh, carterbloodcare.org, enter in your zip code, and you'll be able to find the blood drive nearest you. Yay. Very good. Okay. Thank you so much, Yolanda and Linda. Oh, thank you for, for letting us be For your here. time. This was great. Yep. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the Long Overdue Podcast. Please consider donating.